I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, everyone. It's me, David Chen, here on the Decoding Reality Podcast, a Decoding TV podcast. I'm here with my wife at Joy Napping. Joy, thanks for chatting with me today. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Today on Decoding Reality, we are going to be discussing Love is Blind, Season 4, Episodes 6, 7, and 8, which are currently available on Netflix right now. You can find more episodes of this podcast over at decodingreality.tv. Check out our recap of the first few episodes, as well as Justin, Jordan, and Deja's recap of The Bachelor Season 27, a very entertaining podcast, if I do say so myself. For a very sad series of season of television, for sure. The Zach Shawcross season of Bachelor. Indeed. And you can also email me, uh, or email us, I should say, at decodingtv at gmail.com. Uh, and do consider leaving a comment for us on this YouTube video at youtube.com slash decoding TV or uh, leaving a Apple podcast review for us or uh, leaving a kind note at decoding TV at gmail.com. We would really appreciate it. So, Joy, we are going to spoil and discuss everything through Love is Blind Season 4, Episodes 6, 7, and 8. These are the first episodes where we actually spend time in Seattle, which is where Woo! we live. And what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about our general thoughts on how this show depicts Seattle, followed by uh, a discussion of each of the couples that is now in the show and whether or not we think they're going to make it all the way to the end. So let's begin, Joy. Let's start by talking about Seattle. And I just want to start by saying... Uh, we got to see people like living in Seattle in Love is Blind Season 4. We got to see people going on dates in Seattle, meeting with their friends in Seattle. And I think the show makes Seattle look pretty awesome, personally. Like, what do you, what is your perception on? Yeah, I mean, we have a, a personal, I mean, we, you and I live in Seattle. We met in Seattle. We dated in Seattle. We got married in Seattle. So, of course, we, you know, are in the tank for our town to look good, but. Chicago, where I've also lived, and that's where the first two seasons of Love is Blind were filmed, um, 
it looks pretty good. Dallas looked okay. Um, I think Seattle looks incredible. Like I would want to go to Seattle after seeing just some of this visual imagery. And yeah. it's really nice to see our hometown shown off that way. I do feel a little bit like Seattle is particularly gorgeous in the spring and summer. And it, that's when this was filmed. So, you know, this is among the most sort of intoxicating times to see it. If you were to shoot it in January, people might come away with a different view. Um, but, you know, it feels feels nice. And of course, it's nice to see places that you actually know. I agree. Uh, just there's a lot of water. There's a lot of greenery. Uh, there's some hip restaurants to go to. I think uh, it makes Seattle look very desirable. Uh, and I, it, I'll be honest, it made me feel good about living here. Like I see the way it's depicted on screen. I'm like, oh, that looks like a pretty nice place to live. Oh, wait, I live here. Uh, Chicago is also very nice too. Uh, but I, so I would say like it's up there with Chicago in terms of like how well the area is depicted. But it's well, cool. Se- Seattle's depicted well visually. I would say some of the residents we get to meet are... Um... <laughs> It's not uh, not necessarily the uh, Seattle's not bringing their best people necessarily. Um, I'm either the, going to say it's not representative or it is representative, and I winced. <laughs> There's, it's somewhere mm. in between those two. I will also say, uh, full disclosure, I consider myself friends with one of the people who happens to own and manage two of the restaurants depicted uh, in the show. So. Uh, that was awesome. Yeah, it was so cool to see the re- and all the restaurants were depicted like very positively, you know. Uh, so it was nice to see that uh, some love given to you know uh, my my colleague and friends' restaurants. Uh, very very cool. So and you know it's a hard time for the restaurant business, so it it actually did you know feel nice to kind yeah. of highlight parts of our community. Uh, millions of people will watch this show, you know. So uh, I think. And, and, you know, you see the reaction online. People are like, oh, wow, Seattle looks pretty nice. I'm going to go visit and maybe they'll check out one of these places. And that's very cool. Okay. Before we start talking couple by couple and discussing the developments that have occurred since the last time we chatted, uh, why don't we start by reflecting on just like any overall thoughts on this batch of episodes, episodes six, seven, and eight? Well, you know, I continue to feel that the hands of the producer, the hand of the producers gets stronger through this batch of episodes than in prior seasons. Um, They throw a quote unquote birthday party for Chelsea, which really feels like that is not the party Kwame would have organized or even Chelsea necessarily would have wanted. And it's just a big excuse to It's very clear when when Chelsea's like, who's that, you know, at her own (laughs) birthday party? It's like. I don't know if she was managing the invite list for this one, you know? Also absent Chelsea's actual friends who aren't on Love is Blind, <laughs> presuming she has some. Yep. 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 Um, but I still, for whatever reason, you know, the pods part of this show barely works for me, um, except that you get to meet somewhat interesting people. And um, this is the best part of the show for me as people start to, it sinks in like, oh, I have to move to where you live. And like, what does that mean if I'm not just hearing your voice, you know, through a wall and putting my own mind palace story to that? Like, do I really want to share a dresser or a set of dresser drawers mm-hmm. with this person? Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. love meeting the friends and family. That's always fantastic. Um, and so for me, this is actually like the, it, it's normally the most wholesome and positive positive 
set of episodes, even if sometimes the families aren't Mm -hmm. supportive because they're not supportive typically for loving reasons, which Mm -hmm. is like, wow, this seems really rash and like a bad decision. Um, That said, this middle bridge set of episodes really... They really spiced it up by throwing in uh, a twist to the rules of Love is Blind, Mm -hmm. which is you can actually keep dating and get engaged to and get married on the same timeline to someone from the pods if you break it off with the first person from the pods. Mm -hmm. So, like, it really is – they're clearly making it up as they go along, you know, building the plane as they fly it. But it is mm, fairly entertaining in a trashy way that – giant plot twist which i'm sure we will get to yeah so uh, agreed with you about the producers being more evident in this part of the show um but i'm getting that old love is blind feeling of feeling extremely guilty about watching the show because there's clearly one set of contestants where there are some deep-seated psychological or emotional issues that need to be worked out and being on the show love is blind is probably not helping that person Yes. Uh, and that is very unfortunate to watch. Um, yes, it's hard. And I, do, I don't wish them any ill will or, you know, I, I, they, they need time to, like, work out some things. And I say that, like, not condescendingly in any way. Like, I'm just like... Yeah, but sad. maybe this show is not the environment correct. for it. Absolutely yeah. correct. Yeah. So, um, and it's like, oh, wow, we're potentially about to watch another couple, like, self-destruct as we have in previous seasons. Uh, and that is unfortunate and I do not wish to be a party to that, but... We're already on this journey. (laughs) For what it's worth, it feels less at this moment volatile and damaging. That the show itself is responsible for less of the damage than, say, the Cole Zeneb situation. So, you know, I feel feel not entirely terrible about it. Maybe. Maybe. Mm -mm, Um, You're unconvinced. Okay, well, we can can hash through it. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to that part of this recap, to be honest. Yeah, and I, the the show Love is Blind has always been incredibly vague with its rules. Uh, so in the first season, it wasn't clear that like at the altar, people would be deciding whether or not... Like that, that part, which is now very much people understand, like you agree to get all your friends and family there, and then you might get said no to right at the day of. People understand that now. In the first season, that was not clear. It was just, hey... It's time to say yes or no. And then the producers knew what they were doing, but then it wasn't until the final episode that people really understood. You know, what are the rules by which people get paired up in the pot? Like, the, the show doesn't really explain anything. So the idea um, of... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. And I just so, want to amplify one thing you're saying. We've now learned via, I think, like Reddit, but I, I think it is true, that the contestants or the participants on the show sign a contract that if they do not go through with the wedding, they will be financially responsible for some giant payment to cover the costs of that wedding. And so it, there is an enormous pressure on people to at least get all the way to the altar, go through yeah. all the steps, be filmed, meet their friends, et cetera, even if their heart isn't in it, and then say no on that day. Like they can, I think, give a heads up to the other person, like it's not, it's going to be a no from me. But in order to, just avoid owing someone ten thousand, twenty, thirty thousand dollars that you don't have. You know, I think um, yeah. that is an additional source of pressure that is only quasi revealed in the show. Like, I think Jackie might be out of here if it weren't for that money. Is my guess. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps. But uh, my my point being, the show has never really been clear about 
what it's doing with the contestants right. and what the rules are. So the idea of Zach and Bliss getting together, it's not really shocking um, just because it's like, okay, the producers are playing their stupid games again. And that's fine. You know, they're, 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 they're actively obscuring how the show actually functions. On that note, I do need to say that uh, there is producer-generated tension in this batch of episodes from the thing that you said about, I think you mentioned having the difficult conversations about where to live, right? Um, where, hey, we love each other, but can we make a home together? That is only a source of tension if the two people don't live in the same place, which the whole reason why you'd have a show called Love is Blind Seattle or wherever the heck is so that people live in the same area and they don't need to make these big decisions of, am I going to move to Portland? Am I going to move to Arizona? Right? So I, so what they did was they brought in contestants from outside of this area, like Kwame from Portland and Micah, who apparently has a second house in Arizona and so on and so forth. You know, they brought in people from outside, presumably because they were unhappy with the crop of Seattle singles that they had, which is very unfortunate. So that combined with the fact that uh, there's very few Asian Americans in this episode, this season of the show. I mean, there's, there's is, so much on yeah. the casting that is so sus to me. Yeah. I understand when you cast, you need to be looking for certain things. So yes. I'm sure they had more than 30 people, 15 men and 15 women show up for a casting call, but Seattle isn't that big. And, um, Maybe people had enough sense not to do this show. <laughs> Seattle people are also, in my now opinion, they've... in general, pretty smart. And they've seen the emotional wreckage that Love is Blind has wrought. And they're like, none of that for us, please. You know? I'll just uh, summarize this by saying I grew up in Louisiana, um, not in a big city. And my mother and father you know, spent... 40, 50 years there. And um, upon retiring to Seattle, my mom looked around and she's like, People here are so civilized. Um, and that was her contrast with, say, the rest of the country. And so I, I do think there is maybe something about Seattle being not a very good market for casting mm -hmm. this kind of show. Um, you also probably want people that are to some degree photogenic and, you know, willing to put themselves out there for influencer careers. The ideal place to cast this show is obvious, Los, obviously Los Angeles or Orange County or San Diego. Um, maybe they don't want to have too many like aspiring actors and models, right. but you know. We should also point out that in the last week it's been revealed that Kwame uh, was apparently, has apparently previously been a contestant on another reality dating show called uh, Married at First Sight, which is very yeah. similar to well, Love it's the same is producers. Yeah. So it's very possible that not getting picked there, you know, what he would have been a top choice for another mm -hmm. casting. Yeah. Which all of which is theoretically fine, but you just cannot help if you are from Seattle watching this show, waiting to find out who you know, because again, it's a small town and we all know each other. We're a couple degrees of separation away from each other. That it's kind of like almost feels insulting to find out that two of your five couples have one person from Portland. In Zach's case, so this is a third couple, he's from Wenatchee, which is like an hour east. It's a very, yeah, very, not, very different town. He, apparently he just moved recently to Seattle. So like that that's fair enough. But yes, it's not that is not Seattle, right? Right. And and so the, the Asian representation is weird. Honestly, it's a lot blacker of a show than Seattle is, is if you look at our sort of um yep. 
you know, census data that you and I talked about last time. And so it just feels like, again, they made the show they wanted. And it doesn't matter that Portland and Seattle are farther apart than DC and Philadelphia. It is like having people traverse three states um, in the Northeast Mm-hmm. to say that they're like in the same market. And then obviously when, to your point, when it comes to having to literally move, unearth your friend group, maybe start a new job or find like a whole different way of living, that is going to be a hurdle to somebody trying to decide to get married in two to three weeks. Yeah. So it it, it feels very artificial. It feels like they created these problems. The producers created these problems because it's like if you had just recruited everyone from Seattle, uh, that wouldn't be a source of tension for several of these couples. So whatever, you know, whatever, kind (laughs) kind of a bummer that they, they marketed it as from Seattle, but it's not really a Seattle show because there's so many people that aren't from Seattle. Um, but we see you producers. We see what you're doing. Okay. We see, and it's weird and it's off putting. Okay. And we don't need your show, your stupid show anyway. You know, we were all (laughs) fine not dating each other and complaining about the weird Mm -hmm. dating scene here. Yes. I don't know that the Seattle, that what the Seattle dating scene needed was Love is Blind to come here and bring a lot of people from outside of town uh, and throw them into the dating pool. That's, and, and, and with their social experimental ways and such and such. Anyway, uh, well, can, can I just say about this topic, I don't know if we'll cover it again on a future episode. There is a very specific vibe to the Seattle dating scene. I was curious if they would talk about it in the pods, if they would, um, you know, end up covering it in some ways. And I just want to hit a couple of yeah. these highlights. One is there's this concept of the Seattle freeze, which is that people are in these set friend groups of like eight to 10 people. And if you aren't one of those eight to 10, you literally cannot break in if you want to come in and make friends or start dating somebody. It's like a one in one out system in these like fixed groups. Um, Part of the Seattle freeze is also that people are incredibly polite and they almost seem like they're friendly, but they're actually not wanting to be friends with you. So they will say, oh yeah, I'll totally, I'd love to hang out. And then like zero follow up. Um, It's quite bewildering, I think, for people who are from warmer, friendlier places like the South or California. Another thing is there is so much like uh, Netflix and I have a cat energy, like just a very nesting kind of um, vibe for like yes, at least because half it, the it year. rains nine months out of the year. So there's a lot of many Seattle people stay indoors and when they're not indoors, they're out hiking usually. Yes. And so that is by far the most sus part is that people don't seem very outdoorsy. They don't seem into like, I would say you and I have the least REI equipment of anybody that we know. And like people have thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars of like camping gear. And, you know, they like spend their whole summer, um, like literally leaving work early if the sun starts to shine and like, you know, finding campsites and and competing for camp reservations. And I just, uh, it's not necessarily my life, but none of that was evident again in anyone but Paul. And if anything, it feels like it's so such a dominant part of meeting people here that you, it feels hard to do anything other than have those interests or at least feign that you have those interests. So anyway, I think uh, this is all the Seattle vibe we're going to get. And I wanted to just sketch what I think the reality is. That's fair. We should also acknowledge that Seattle has undergone a dramatic demographic transformation over the course of the last couple decades, um, largely because of an influx of tech workers. Amazon has grown significantly 
during the time that I, since I have moved here 10 years ago. And so there are just now tens and tens and tens upon thousands of people that didn't live here 15, 20 years ago that now live here. Um, but I think even within that new cohort, Joy's description of what the vibe is, um, is at least somewhat accurate. And so it, it is true. But at the same time, Joy, I wasn't really expecting any of that because I don't know that we really got a good sense of Dallas or Chicago from the previous seasons of Love is Blind. So, you know, it's not like there was that much commentary about Chicago is this kind of place to live. You know, that was never... Right, but mix. I lived in Chicago, and I, I recognize the vibe off of the people. Like, I could even mm-hmm. probably guess which suburb Shana's going to end up in. You know, like, I uh-huh. I, I found it very disorienting, mm-hmm. um, at least based on the pods. Now, in this set of episodes, we get a little bit closer to it, and I, I called something pretty well last time. We can come back to that about where Mike is from. Um, but I, I overall didn't feel like it kind of captured the place. And, of course... Yeah. I know it's not their primary goal, but apparently it's kind of irrelevant and they can just throw people into Seattle and call it a Seattle show and it doesn't matter. Indeed. Indeed. Throw in Micah from Arizona and Kwame from Portland and whoever else from, and Zach from Wenatchee, you know, it's just uh, words don't even mean anything anymore. Okay, let's move on. So which couples should we cover? Well, I think by far the biggest uh, development of these episodes is um, with Zach. Yeah. So Zach broke it off with Irina uh, the last few episodes. Irina broke it off with Zach. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're technically right. She would have wanted to continue going on the show. Uh, And then the last time we saw him, he was about to confront bliss at a uh, local seattle restaurant in capitol hill and he says to her hey i made the wrong choice i should have chosen you and she is initially very resistant to his uh pursuit because she felt very burned by uh him choosing irena for a variety of reasons but eventually she comes around they go on a date uh, at his house, uh, like at yeah. his apartment, or I think, and then there's another date on Lake Union, which is, uh, if you ha- aren't from here, it's basically like a large body of water that is like right in the middle of Seattle. It's very beautiful. Um, a lot of boats go out there all the time. It's very easy to get out on there and look around, and it's like it's a great way to see the city in some ways. Yeah, it's a great focal point of the city. Like they do fireworks yeah. over it, and people crowd on yeah. all the hills around the lake and watch it, and you can see downtown views. It's it's great. It's great, yeah. And he proposes to her, and then she says yes, and apparently they're going to get married on the same timeline as all the other people on the show. So she's got uh, even less time to get her head around it. <laughs> yeah. And no trip to Mexico. What are your thoughts on this storyline, Joy? Um, well, first of all, I said I had not been to the restaurant Smith, which is where they meet. I have been to the restaurant Smith. I had forgotten. It's been a few years. I think it's a solid choice for where to uh, have a complete I need to eat shit kind of um, (laughs) meal with somebody. Um, I I know this is obviously Eat shit as in go back on what you said. Not that the food is bad at Smith, but yeah. No, the food's actually pretty good. The fries were very good. Um, I know we get a very condensed version of this because, you know, we watched three episodes, so that's about three hours, and they could have filled three hours just with Zach and Bliss like trying to hash it out, you know? So we're only getting not even the Cliff's notes, like, 
these sort of random high points or low points. But underneath it, I think Bliss should feel like pretty nervous that not only did she get second choice and they have a whole discussion about what that mm-hmm. technically means at the end of the eighth episode. Um, but also, she got second choice to someone who is patently and flagrantly a horrible person. <laughs> yeah, it'd be one thing if Zach chose someone who, who, who is awesome, but then just wasn't the right fit for him. Right, because right? then you'd, you'd understand. And you'd then be it's like, like oh, okay. I kind of get it. She's kind right. of awesome. Yeah. yeah. But it's she was clearly horrible. Everyone knows she's bad. Apparently, it is hinted that everyone in the pods knew she was terrible uh, yes. during the course of the episode as well. So, yeah. Well, you know, I did want to read, because Zach has since posted on Instagram. So right after the first batch of episodes has come out, we already have like all the tentacles going out into social media of people responding to what's already been um, said yeah. and shown. And, and what, what and, is you know, new, so. I think, is like is cast members giving interviews during as the episodes are released. I don't recall this happening in previous seasons. I recall uh, an odd um, sort of uh, a stray social media comment getting out into the world. But yeah. but I think if I – I'm not sure. But if I had to guess what's going on is uh, like Entertainment Weekly or the Today Show or whatever has done an interview with these people uh, – like a full interview of everything. And then they're just releasing the information strategically throughout the season is my guess. Um, Because I don't, I I don't think they would allow, I don't think Netflix is PR who has kept the results of the show really under lock and key in all previous seasons would just kind of let people be out there floating and giving stuff away. Um, I think they have given interviews where they talk about like all the results and then they're releasing the information strategically. Mm-hmm. That that is a very common tactic for TV shows, for movies to kind of tier Avoid their embargo. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But that's b- based well, on the amount of interviews I'm seeing. I don't recall this volume of interviews from previous Yeah, I think seasons, the broader so, point you yeah. have still stands, though, regardless of the how they're doing it. Like, Irina, Chelsea, and Jackie were interviewed by Rachel Lindsay, uh, for, I think, for Extra. So Rachel Lindsay being sort of the very famous first black yeah. bachelorette and yeah. just like all around incredible hosting talent. Um, so I, I, I do feel like they're more kind of sharing um, proactively like PR for the show along the way. I honestly think maybe Netflix's whole, like, let's just dump a bunch of episodes of whatever we make strategy is starting to shift towards, Oh, let's actually have some earned media <laughs> and paid yes, media absolutely. And actually. Create a little more buzz. Um, okay. So anyway, I wanted to read yes. what Zach posted on Instagram because I think it's actually quite important. So this was um, not like a post. It was in comments responding to a question someone had. So um, basically, mm. the person who asked him a question said, let me get this straight. She forgot your birthday. She was horrible. She was rude. She was, and you saw through all of it. You correctly named all of it. And yet you still chose her. Like, and she was horrible to you. She said all these awful things behind your back about you being ick. And, um, you know, and I, to be, the, the one little thing I want to make sure I'm fair to Irina, cause we'll probably not talk about her again <laughs> on future episodes of this podcast. Um, I've had that experience where, there's someone who on paper I really should be attracted to and I just am not like I, I literally physically want to be farther away from them. And so um, it, 
I understand a little bit what she's saying. I think she was just incredibly rude in how she said it. Um, but uh, anyway, I, I think, and it was so public, you know, the way she said it. So anyway, he says um, that he has forgiven Irina for everything she did while they were on the show together. Um, and he said uh, she knows what she did. And she's definitely dealing with an amplified backlash from it. There are two major philosophical frameworks when it comes to justice, retribution versus rehabilitation. And he goes on to talk about how he doesn't believe in retribution. So, you know, he's a criminal defense attorney. And I think Mm -hmm. that his whole, like, I believe in the saving graces of anybody, you know, like uh, belief system is right there. It requires a level of faith in humanity and love, even for the people who receive grace have a chance to extend that grace to others. And all in all, between these two theories, I'll take grace over retribution any day. Um, so then uh, it, there was another question about like how strong, like why did you choose, if you chose Arena over Bliss, Bliss shouldn't, Bliss does not deserve to be your second choice. And he wrote, first choice doesn't mean best choice. I think if you continue to watch closely, you can see who I loved more. Look at how I was when each relationship ended. Do you see how devastated I was when I ended it with Bliss? I laid on the couch with a pillow over my head crying for hours. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Maybe the truth is I didn't have the courage to see if our love could overcome all obstacles. Maybe I thought there was too much in the real real world that would get in the way. Maybe I thought she was a little too good for me. I wasn't just thinking about who was best for me. I was thinking about whose family would accept me and who would actually say I do at the altar and who would be able to accept me, all of me. I definitely did make the wrong choice, but first choice doesn't mean best choice. That's a very thoughtful response, I think. Yeah, and I think it like dovetails with some stuff you and I said and other people have um, commented that maybe he like didn't quite because Irina is childish in some ways she's easy to read you know and she's Mm -hmm. easy to like it's it's a very known quantity what you're getting Um, she was really terrible and I think that is a really self-destructive choice still but at least he's had like a chance to reflect on it and maybe grow Mm -hmm. from it so yeah. yeah Um, but so Zach manages to eat crow somewhat with bliss. And I do think she is kind of picking up what he's putting down. Cause she's like, you have really pretty eyes, but I don't want to pay you any compliments right now. Cause I'm still mad at you. Um, and then at the end of the date, he's like, let's do it again. And she says, we'll see. And then I know we need to talk about their second date. We see three dates total. We see him apologize to her and meet her for the first time. We see this middle dinner date at his house. And then we see the proposal. Who They're probably seeing each other like more times in between then is my guess. And it's certainly stretching the concept of quote unquote love being blind because they're like seeing each other. Um, but David, I need you to weigh in on Zach's menu choices um, and his implementation of sous vide steak, coconut yeah. shrimp, carrots and mushrooms. Uh, I have so many thoughts on this, uh, and I'll try to distill it down, but with, let me talk overall about the Zach Bliss storyline. I think a lot of people reacting are rightly pointing out, why are they bringing in Bliss back in? The whole point of the show is that love, quote unquote, love is, the experiment is a farce at this point, right? Like, like the idea is like, hey, we're we're going to introduce people and then they're going to propose to each other and blah 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 and etc. And but then if you're just going to be bringing in people 
from outside and then is following them as well. It, it completely defeats the whole purpose of the, the Enterprise. Uh, and then why why aren't they doing this all the time? Why, why aren't they like tons of people? I'm sure had connections in the pods that like d- that never got to play out, and so they're being very selective because they I think they think to themselves there's probably a good story here and maybe there is, but uh, it, it it does just feel I, I do feel kind of like Walter Sobchak and the Big Lebowski like come on dude there are rules here you know uh, and. <laughs> Uh, and, and so that is uh, pretty irritating. You know, I'm very torn on the Zack storyline because on the one hand, I think that the dude humiliated himself and made the worst choice you could possibly make, hurt this person, Bliss, who by all accounts seems like a nice human being, um, chose like the horrible person for terrible reasons. And on some level, the part of me that loves justice feels like, hey, you should need to live with that choice and suffer for it. Oh, wow. So you're in the retribution Let camp. me, I'm not, I'm not done. Let me finish what I'm saying. <laughs> on the other hand, um, one of the most challenging parts about living human existence, I think, is um, being, get, getting, uh, mating is a very difficult process for humans. Um, in the sense that, um, every single time you are with someone, you like learn a lot about yourself and about what you want. Uh, and then often you move on to the next person and then you might think to yourself, oh, wait, like, actually I shouldn't have moved on. Like, uh, actually the previous person was a better match, but you can't go back. Like that's, it's just impractical 99% of the time to go back to previous choices. What this show presumes is what if it were not? What if you could go back? What if you could turn back the clock and like redo a choice? And that's an interesting kind of exercise that is only possible in the confines of a reality dating show. Um, and so I appreciate the, the, the fact that it's an exercise. Joy, you're, you seem to be reacting very strongly to what I'm saying. I mean, I, I, I'm married to you presently. So if you were to want to go back, it would be from me. I'm just, I'm not saying me specifically. I'm saying like people in general, like I, I, but that is your, anyway, it it was very funny. It was very, uh, very funny the way you ordered it. Um, but also, you know, he's not really able to go back. I mean, he's technically able to keep talking to her and he's, he, they could keep talking on camera. You get the sense that they could have chosen to just keep dating in the real world and not have had Lake Union boat rides paid for and not have been on this accelerated timeline and just chatted, you know? But um, I, I, I'm so uh, curious, like what was going on behind the scenes? You know, so, so a producer had to have gone to Bliss and said, "Of course, hey, do you want to be part of the show still? Because Zach's still into you, and there could be a good storyline. But if you are, you need to get married on this date with everyone else, and you need to say yes or no, and you need to invite all your friends. Blah blah blah. You know? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think they probably didn't. Who knows what they said? But I think my point is, like, it's not like he gets like a, you know control x key or anything or a control you know escape key to get out of it because she still has the damage of knowing she got dumped by him yes certainly for um a sort of vile child (laughs) certainly and and by the way i i tried to like detach 
my description as much from me as but I was saying human beings in general. I have read online. This is the experience that I have seen described. Mm, okay, okay. Okay. I was not describing my own experience. Mm-hmm, okay. Um. But yeah. I, I, and and to be fair, I think I, I certainly I was describing the two sides of myself that and how I feel about the Zach situation. Right. Like on the one hand. Uh, he made a bad choice. He should need to live with it. On the other hand, it's like, oh, kind of interesting that uh, the show is experimenting with the idea of going back and trying to undo something. You know, that's a that's a potentially interesting exercise. Um, that said, I just find Zach to be a particularly not very interesting individual, and to see Bliss go back to him is painful. Um, it, it, apparently, you know, I've read some interviews with Bliss. They have great chemistry. So it's like, okay, whatever. If there's a lid for every pot, you know? So if, if she's thinking, <laughs> if she is having a great time with, uh, with Zach, then go wild. Cool. Live your life. Um, but as an external viewer, it's really, uh, it's painful to watch because here's a guy who, um, he is just this version of male mediocrity where he has not done anything competent on the show. In fact, consistently does things incompetently and yet continues to be rewarded for that. And I have encountered that archetype in my life many times Ooh, and I'm okay. very put off by it. You know? Mm, mm. <laughs> Joy, what's your reaction to that? Well, look, I'm... <laughs> my antenna are always up for sort of people yes, feeling upward. Exactly. I'm, I'm shocked. I'm shocked you don't feel of a certain, you know, <laughs> size, shape, color, mostly color. <laughs> um, okay. But I think um, in Zach's specific case, I actually think with his story of growing up homeless under a bridge, his mom being a sex worker, and, you know, then him actually managing to put himself through, get through law school. I, I don't know that I think of him as like a guy who's just being rewarded for his quote unquote mediocrity. I think he has a lot of stuff and a lot of eccentric stuff. The man doesn't know that you cut the carrot before you cook the carrot. He thinks apparently you you wait until afterwards and then you crumble goat cheese with your fingers, like smush it right down onto the carrots. You know, like there, there, there are things that are the finer points uh, that Zach doesn't seem to have like totally picked up. About adulting? In, in, in ascending order of outrageousness, it's choosing Irina instead of Bliss, uh, cutting carrots in the incorrect way, doing gochis in the incorrect way, and then finally, uh, not using a vacuum sealer for his sous vide cooking. Right? Oh, you didn't even say the Harry Potter music when you enter the bedroom. I, I would not find that magical. I would run. <laughs> But you know, uh-huh. Bliss seems to be picking up what he's putting out. You don't know that much about Bliss. I think exactly. that's my point. Ex- exa- exactly, exactly. But what I have seen of Zach is he continually messes up everything. And, uh, you know, mm. but Bliss is still into him. And it's like, okay, whatever. That's fine. Um, I don't really, as you said, I don't really know that much about either of them. Um, but you got to vacuum seal your steak bags, people. Okay. Tell, tell um, us more about this. No. So, so Zach was sous veding his steak. Um, and in all fairness, it is extremely possible. So su- what for sous vide is, for those who don't know, is um, you basically place your pr- uh, protein 
into a plastic a sealed plastic bag uh, and you put it in water that has been heated to a very specific temperature. And the idea is that your steaks come up much more delicious this way because uh, when you are cooking it on a grill or whatever, you cannot control what amount of heat is inflicted on the steak. So the steak often ends up overcooked or it ends up tough or whatever, or it ends up cooked to a level that you don't want. When you're sous viding, you can run it in the water for hours at one temperature. And therefore it comes out very uh, juicy and very tender and very delicious. And so Zach was attempting to sous vide his steak um, with the method that I just described. Now, it is very possible to sous vide a steak using a normal Ziploc bag. In fact, I don't want to gatekeep. If you are trying to sous vide and you only have Ziploc bags, that's completely fine. And you came here for permission from David. (laughs) (laughs) Which so many of our listeners... have been waiting with bated breath. (laughs) Which so many of our listeners have, I know. So, Um, okay. So then... Uh, now, now, if you uh, want to run a more tight ship, uh, if you want to run a more tight ship, you, you can use a vacuum sealer. So you, what you do is you would then take a plastic bag, seal it, suck all the air out of it, and then just drop it into the water. That's what I do because it is more likely that you'll have a better outcome. Now, some people in the question, uh, people in the chat are, are making some comments. Uh, Ty is saying you can use a large plastic bag and have the opening outside of the container water. Yes, that's a great technique. Um, but Gro- uh, Gro- Groover Ro- Groove Robber says, could they have been salvaged with a quick sear or is that not safe? The problem that happened with Zach's steaks is he used like what appeared to be a, zip- a Ziploc plastic bag, put it into the water, and the problem is the water got into the steak. Uh, like, it got into the bag, and it soaked through the bag, and that basically ruins the steak. Like, you don't want to mix water with your steak unless you're on... like a parboil type situation. So right. Unless you're on, like, Tim Robinson's I Think You Should yeah. Leave. There's a whole sketch on <laughs> Tim Robinson's I Think You Should Leave about, like, eating steaks that have water on them, and it's amazing. Um, but uh, anyway... Uh, so anyway, he completely messed up not one, but two steaks using that technique. Now, to his credit, he did have a backup plan of shrimp. And that was, I did admire that because I'm like, okay, if that, if that was me in that situation, I would have probably been so nervous that I also would have had a backup plan. Um, and he had one. And, and I, I do admire that. So anyway. I thought the shrimp looked potentially pre-prepared. I don't think that he hand panko crusted the shrimp in my opinion. I don't think so either. But yeah. Um, so anyway. The they were just sitting in the skillet. But you know, um, according to Bliss, goat cheese tastes great on everything, even in ice cream. I have had goat cheese ice cream. It is good. And so, you know, she had everything she needed and uh, that was fine. Great. Great. Um, so yeah, th- those are my extremely ambivalent thoughts on Zach and Bliss. But hey, if people are happy, I don't want to take away from their happiness. I have actually found it interesting that, you know, there was quite a pylon from the rest of the cast, as we saw in the edit in the first batch of episodes about Zach. It feels like that's gotten toned down a lot. I don't know if he's just getting a friendlier edit now. Um, Many commenters, TikTokers, whatever that I've been following seem to be actually cheering for this couple. It feels 50-50, that 50% of people are like, 
for it and 50% are like bliss why bliss, the fuck you, you should are not you have taken this? him back right and yes. i i am definitely on the latter side also as groove robber writes in the chat right now what was the deal with the white owls and katana portrait yeah okay so i was like confused by this because he mentioned he had just moved to seattle i don't think that's his actual apartment it it just feels like a place that the producers would have rented for him. It looks completely generic, but there are two or three pieces of actual personal, um, <laughs> personal items. effects. So maybe he yeah. was allowed to bring a handful of things. Um, so one is this, this painting of the owl that they had talked about in the pods. Cause she's really into owls and he's really into owls. So you see <laughs> it's meant to be, it's almost like knowing the song. I hope you dance. Yeah. We didn't even talk about this about like, was it Zach that was saying how? I think it was Amber and Zach. Uh, so a couple. Oh, of them, like, you didn't or it. or Amber and Paul or whatever. You know, it was it was you know the song. Uh, what is it? What's the song? I hope you dance. I, you know the song. I hope you dance. That's also a song I happen to know. It's like one of the most famous songs. You know, particularly for weddings, for right? weddings. Yeah. And so one of them was like, "Well, it was going to be the first song at my wedding for sure." And they're like, "You've oh heard of God. Hey Jude." <laughs> Do you breathe uh, air that's like 71% nitrogen? Because so do I. Nitrogen? Really? Yeah. It's 71% yeah. nitrogen, right? Okay. All right. So, yeah, I'm definitely on the uh, not really rooting for the Zach Bliss relationship, but, uh, I, you know, what, what, where do you come down on it, Joy? I, like Zach, believe in giving people grace and mm -hmm. also knowing that I can't really judge based on the edit. This is one where I really can't judge based on the edit because it's so condensed. Um, and you have to believe he has to eat so much crow um, in the time to get Bliss to actually say yes. I think that there is an uncomfortable conversation after they're engaged. So we see them one more time and she basically says, it's hard for me because I know I was your second choice. And he's like, well, you weren't my second choice. And I'm like, okay, you are a lawyer, Zach. I think you understand sequentially in time. It's linear. Mm -hmm. So when someone gets chosen first, they are your first choice. So you can like talk about the semantics of what that means or what that means in your heart. But like it is not fair for Bliss um, not to get some space to really yeah. sit in what that felt like and for him to really say, okay, I, I understand the consequences of how it made you feel, even if I can't take it back. Yeah. And honestly, th that there were two moments when I really s empathized with, with Zach, right? One of them was that moment that you just said where he's trying to say, but no, you weren't my second. Because here's my interpretation of what was going on there is that, the choice of Irina was such a horrible screw up, like a, a historically bad screw up that that was documented for millions of people. It's so bad that he he he's like trying to compartmentalize. It. I can see in his brain what was going on. He's he's like, yes, technically you were my second choice, but really that choice sucked so badly. Like I, I just you you don't even comprehend how bad it was. You know, if you, I think he's trying to be like, if you knew how bad it was and how I feel nothing towards that person, you wouldn't even be saying that. I think that's kind of where he's coming from. Now, I agree with you. She should get, like, Bliss should get her opportunity to say what she feels. Um, but that's, that's what I think was going on is, is well, Bliss, hasn't, Bliss, hasn't seen, Bliss hasn't seen the Mexico tapes yet is the thing, right? And so at this point in time, presumably. But so. he is interpreting the question as Bliss 
is worried that Irina is a threat or that I still have feelings for someone mm. else. And yeah. he's saying, I don't, I don't. Yeah, but she's but not doing that. Yeah, the yeah. question under exactly. the question. Agreed. I think she's Agreed. already cleared that bar with him, yeah. but she's like, it hurts to feel like you had the judgment to pick someone other than me. Right. And when it comes to getting married, it doesn't feel great to kind of come in second in a hastily arranged, <laughs> we barely know each other type situation. Like you kind of want to be first at least then. Yeah, you know? So, yeah. Do we think this couple is going to make it at the end? I think they're going to not get married at the altar, but that they will continue to see each other. That's my prediction. I think so too. And I think like the whole format of the show already feels unfair. I think I already told you last season or two seasons ago, like if they cared about these couples, they'd give them six months in marriage counseling or couples counseling right yeah. away. Um, it feels so ultra unfair to have to do it in two weeks that I, I just can't imagine. I can't yeah. imagine, especially because she's already come home, told her family, oh, I met someone, but he dumped me. Yeah. There was one other moment that I did feel really bad for Zach. And that was when he meets Bliss for the first time and he says, hey, uh, answer me this question. Um, do I uh, do I make a, a proper amount of eye contact? <laughs> yeah. And, and I felt so bad for him in that moment because clearly his, you know, Irina and him were a terrible fit and he probably doesn't like, I don't think they'll ever talk again probably. Um. But she still hurt him. You know, she still made him self-conscious about a bunch of things. And that's a bummer. No one, no one deserves that, you know? Um, so even though I'm bearish on Zach, I'm still a human being. There's still blood flows through my veins, and I still feel bad when Zach now has a effing complex about uh, his, you know, his eye contact. <laughs> Well, you know, so, I think, let me tell you the maximally positive story. I think, and some of this is coming from them, like how I think they're framing it, Zach mm -hmm. and Bliss. It was always going to end up this way anyway. We were always going to get engaged, even if, uh, you know, whatever happened with Irina, you know, it was never going to work out. And I, you, you were always going to be my choice in the end because that was kind of like a false thing and I had to run it down. Um, and you know, you you got si super sick and almost didn't make it onto the show. Do you remember him talking about yes. that? Um, you know, so it was fate that brought us together. And if it's within the format of the show or outside of the format of the show, it doesn't matter. Like it was going to be us, I think is like what they're trying to yeah. hold on to. Ty in the chat says, they're the only other couple that has a remote chance of making it. So I'm kind of okay that Bliss slash Zach is breaking the format. Um, Alana yeah. says, Bliss and Zach, right. I think, have a way better chance than most of the couples. And because they had the opportunity to break the format, um, they actually, she has a more informed feeling consent, you know, to like what she's signing up for. So she's a an adult, or at yeah. least we keep saying, you know, she seems relatively stable. So Yeah, yeah. You know, um, before we so move she, on, to she really did choose it. You know, knowing everything. Um, before we uh, move on, I did want to mention. You know, we have uh, referred to the fact that Seattle's a small town, and I don't think people really like understand that on a, a deep level. Joy, I think people here say that, but it is a fact that since we recorded the first episode, we have each had a person reach out to us. And say that they know someone who's on the show. 
uh, like right. they are friend they are friends with someone who is on the show. So yes. I did what you want to illustrate. You know, I I wanted to make sure we covered that because we spent. 30, 30 minutes talking about why the show doesn't really do a good job of capturing Seattle just because of the final contestants. Um, but I also and, do yeah. feel like that's why people in Seattle that we know are all watching it more than if you were in New York or Chicago and there's a dating show yeah. set there. You wouldn't be like on the edge of your seat going, oh, my God, I've got to know somebody on this show. So right. like in my case, I know someone who went to church with a woman who um, was in the 30, but she wasn't you know, one of the featured engaged couples. And um, my friend had nothing but super positive things to say about her. I think her name is Casia, K-A-C-I-A. And then um, you, I, I will obscure it. I think the view on your friend's I, and I, I had a friend, I had a friend who said, hey, I know this person and they are terrible, but they aren't in the final couples. So um, anyway, but uh, yeah, wanted to wanted to illustrate that it's a small world in Seattle. Okay. And it's it's not that we know everyone. It's that it's so small. Everybody knows everyone. So it defies belief that we would not have known people. And um, that's a, just an extra metal layer of like pleasure for us is spotting all the folks we know in places we know. Okay. Oh, well, I, I said this no. wouldn't take a long time, but we only got one through one couple. So, you know. Well, I think uh, the rest will go a lot faster. All right. Who should we do next, Joy? Well, let's say farewell to Irina, who shows up um, to have a clearing the air uh, conversation with Micah, which pretty much seems to consist of Micah going. So, like, um, I think that was actually, like, um, really, like, fucked up. And Irina seems to have, like, actually no explanation other than, oh, yeah, I basically wanted to do that. And let me just be clear. Like, I really respect you. But, like, I also – this is me showing you respect is I will fuck you up. Um, And Micah is, like – because they're both really uh, somewhere between like expert level and God tier mean girls. Um, Micah two thirds of the way through this conversation drops. Well, yeah, I mean, I know it's not a threat because I know he's absolutely not interested in you and you can feel Irina flinch a little bit because Irina is so vain that even if there's no prayer of it actually going anywhere, she still wants to think like, you know, he's attracted or could be attracted. Um, And I just thought that was real chef's kiss from micah to just mm-hmm. twist the knife i suspect their friendship is over as a result mm-hmm. of this because it was just under this one circumstance yeah yeah although she does refer to her as best friends in quotes a couple times during the course of the thing so i yeah, don't know what well, definition of pod-based best friends so micah and paul whew, um you know we get to meet paul's mom we get to meet Micah's friends, uh, which is real rough. And um, we learn some really odd things about Micah, including that she lives part of the time in Arizona. Um, I am really struggling to understand her backstory. Like I couldn't – I think you and I discussed this last time. We couldn't quite like place her. I said I think she's from Snohomish County. Breaking news, I think she's from Snohomish County. Um, and I feel very, 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 very good about myself for nailing that. That is this, the county kind of one mm-hmm. one north of King County, which is where Seattle is. Um, but she also like has this um, very like sorority sister kind of blonde hair. The Arizona second location really makes sense with her look because there are not a lot of women with her look in Seattle. Um and Alana um, says they dropped the Arizona stuff so casually with no explanation in this episode. Yeah, it's very yeah. odd that someone who's maybe 27, 28 years old could afford a second home, you know, between even if she's yeah. renting two places, that seems very odd. And she's really keen to continue that arrangement with Paul. Um, it feels like later on, 
she has agreed to actually move into his place, which is interesting. It's pretty, pretty tight quarters. Um, but this is like, I, I found it really interesting that it almost felt like they were living in two realities. And the reality Paul lives in felt like Seattle. His place felt like a guy who hikes a lot and is very practical and very sciencey would just put out his six favorite shirts and he would just keep them out in a little pile and that would be fine for him. And he'd Craigslist his couch and he'd yeah. get his stuff for free. And, and, like and I he'd do have that. Ni- he'd have knives everywhere, you know. I, I have knives everywhere, so I, I I know. And part of the practicality of moving in together is that it's incredibly expensive in Seattle. So I don't know how they could afford, um, you know, to go back and forth. I don't know how she affords it in the first place. And I don't know if he owns his place. But, you know, we've actually, in prior seasons, um, a couple that did get married to our really huge surprise was Matt and Colleen. And they didn't move in together despite being married for at least six months. I don't even know if they've done it now. So if Dallas is not that affordable, I think it's even worse here. Yeah, ba- basically, there's a big part of this story that is not being told. We don't know what it is, but they're clearly leaving out a bunch of important details, right? Well, so, so the things that Micah is dropping, like oh, I have a second place in Arizona, and by the way, I noticed she has this like Cartier um, piece of jewelry, which is extremely expensive. It was giving to me like, oh, she's got wealth. But then her, when Paul's mom meets her, and he basically she's admits to stalking her online, basically, and looking up all of her backstory. Her mom is a very deep Christian who owns a daycare. It doesn't sound like there's a lot of money in that in Alabama. And then I'm not sure about Micah's dad. So I I think there are a lot of question marks and mysteries for me um, with Micah specifically. Um, Do you want to talk about... um, Oh, side note, I don't know if Paul is from New Orleans. His mom is. And I found that surprising, too. Mm -hmm. Um, Do do you want to talk about the, uh, the party... For Micah's friends. It was a very weird edit because it shows Paul basically being very dismissive of Micah's friends. Uh, At one point, no, no, no. At one point, um, he says, you know, she says, like, one of her friends says, I'm not into this or I don't agree with this. And he says, well, I don't care. Uh, And... But I didn't really understand. Like if you uh, go back and watch it, I actually watched it twice because I, I was trying to understand what led to this. And it was just very unclear what was the series of offenses that led to this point. Um, but I think I got the fundamental <laughs> basics, which are that yeah. her, her friends didn't like him. And he also didn't really respect them too much. And there is that very painful interaction where he says, yeah, I don't, I don't care what you think of me. And she says, well, you should. Because these are my best friends, and I agree that was a that was not a great thing for even if he thinks that that's not a thing that Paul should say on this date where she is bringing him to meet her friends for the first time. Did you see that the friends sucked? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did see that. I did see that. Yeah, um, I, I they were so. I wasn't negative. trying to say. I wasn't trying to say he did anything wrong. I was trying to say. I didn't understand the series of interactions that led to that point. Okay. You know, okay. and I feel like it, it was heavily edited is kind of my sense. But for, I sure, got, for sure, I got that they didn't get along. And that's, I don't think that's in dispute, right? Well, so, so I think actually one, the friend one, brunette friend, came around on him or was neutral mm-hmm. and gave it the thumbs up, right? And then yeah. uh, Shelby, I think, is the blonde friend, the one whose birthday it was in the green dress with the matching satin jacket. <laughs> Which is a really interesting aesthetic choice. 
It was giving me sort of like a boys to men music video of the 90s with like a lot of candles in it uh, kind of vibe. Um, but anyway, Shelby uh, was the one who was um, not about it. She was not about it. And um, well, the, the most brutal thing, it was the setup of it was um, Micah saying, hey, uh, I'm taking Paul to meet my friends. Uh, I have dre- I have completely dressed him and done all of his outfits, and so he looks presentable. So maybe they'll accept him, which is, which I mean, was such a like odd way to frame that comment, you know? Because she's like, he's looking like a snack, so maybe they'll like him. And I, you do get the sense that they're very appearance focused. Um, yeah. I would say their aesthetic and mine does not overlap. Um, but I know, I know. <laughs> If I had a hundred extra dollars, I would not be getting lashes. Um, I'd probably just, yeah, um, spend it on more stuffed animals. So I think, um, you know, setting aside that we come from sort of different demographic realms, me and this set of friends, uh-huh. um, I, I think the problem for me is that is not that Paul was actually probably a little bit too radically uh, candid in that moment mm-hmm. um, and wasn't trying to build bridges with these fucking horrible humans mm-hmm. um, who were being quite rude to him. Really rude, I thought. Um, it's that actually, if you rewind, do you remember Zach and Paul have a drink? Yes. And Zach is giving all this relationship advice, like as if he's coming from a position of clarity, which was really odd. And one of the things that so Paul starts to talk about Micah and he he describes her in these very like clinical and mathematical terms. And he basically says, um, yeah, you know, uh, it's great. It's great. She's um, she's not overly intellectual or analytical. He says she's not overly analytical um, and she meets. Yeah, basically, she meets all the minimum criteria for the perfect woman, <laughs> which was like such an odd yeah, um, that's way a very, to that, think about that's, like a that's scorecard. That's something I might. That's that feels like a very David Chen esque thing to say. You know. You know what it reminded me of when Jeff Bezos texted Lauren Sanchez, "I love you, alive girl." <laughs> mm-hmm. Like well, beep boop, beep boop. The robot has decided it is love. <laughs> the thing, the thing that was weirdest to me was when when Paul is hanging out with Micah's friends and. He's describing the Love is Blind experiment. He's saying, yeah, they kind of put you into these double-blind pods where they scientifically assess you. And then one of her friends says, huh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't deal with all these scientific terms you're throwing around. What are you, some kind of scientist? No, and, and Mike I was is like, like, oh my God, that's how he talks. And I was like, like, he's saying a heck? normal sentence. This is a completely that... normal sentence. Like, it's, it's actually nothing, pretty interesting. Nothing, so... I, that's what I was like. Is, is there something wrong with the edit? Did they remove, you know, no, eight no. paragraphs of Paul being really cerebral? Because I was thinking to myself, this is just a normal sentence. If you said this sentence at the last place I worked you know, at, at a tech company, they would say that's one of the least sophisticated ways of describing that phenomenon ever. So yeah, the idea, yeah. the idea that they're like welcoming to yes. them by like breaking it down and dumbing it down for them. Yeah. They're so the idea that they're like, Oh, this is so scientific. Oh, I can't handle it. It's like, okay. You know, this, this, you know, the, the woman is saying like, this isn't it. Yes. That, that is how I feel. That is how I felt at that moment. This ain't it chief. This ain't well, it. Well, so, I think the problem is, 
she, she, it's true. He's, he's nailed it. She's not overly analytical and neither are her friends. And when he says, I don't really respect you to the friends, he doesn't really respect her either on some level because they're highly correlated with each other as personality types. And so I think that's why Mike is like, oh, this is a problem because if you don't get along with these people, you, you may not get along with me or the other people in my life. And I, I think this couple is absolutely doomed. I, I hope they don't continue. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, you know, we've 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 said that I agree with you. There no, there's no way they're going to make it in the long term. Um, but um, I don't think Micah's stylistic choices are all terrible. I think and I think you agree to that as well, that like she uh, was kind of spot on in her assessment of how to improve um, Paul's apartment. Right. Yeah, but I feel so like- I'm just saying it's not all bad. You know? Nine people out of ten would have said the same thing. I don't think it was all that oh. special. Okay, and I, I'm, I'm the one out of ten, Joy. So, you know. Okay, you listen. You texted me during the show. So we simul-watched the show in two different cities, and you texted me. Like, oh, my, my apartment when I was single wasn't that bad, right? And you were referring to you, yourself, David Chen, and your apartment. I was talking about Kwame's apartment, Joy. Mm. That's very different. Okay, mm. it's a whole different ball of wax. Um, I just think that <laughs> men who live on their own, who are really capable and smart and great, and you know, practical and problem solvers and creative like yourself, sometimes come up with interesting solutions that are a little non-obvious. You know, like maybe um, rather than spending the money to purchase a new couch, you might say, oh, the leg is broken. I will prop it up on these leftover GMAT books. Mm. I don't know. (laughs) That doesn't sound like anyone I know or am. Uh, Okay. Let's move on. So my point is like the bachelor (laughs) pad vibe, you know, is, um, yeah, that is the one. I'm just saying, I'm just saying it's not, it's not like Micah went in. She has like very specific suggestions that were actually pretty good. That's all I was saying. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'm, tr- okay. I'm trying to point out but, a positive thing about one of the contestants. Sorry, though. We, Sorry, Joy. We, okay. Before we leave this topic entirely, I found out Micah did go to Washington State University, which is in Pullman, Washington. It's a, it's a, also north of Seattle. And Shelby, her best friend, who I stalked all the way to like figuring out her Instagram handle and her TikTok, both private, um, also from Edmonds, Snohomish County. I nailed it. Good job. Good job. You, you don't seem to feel like as deeply like how wonderful this victory lap is. But I don't. Um, I don't. I, I feel very okay. good about myself. Thank All you. All right. Great. All right. All who's right. next? Who's next? Oh, let's talk. Let's, let's be happy. Let's talk about Brett and Tiffany. Okay. Fine. Uh, the Tiffany's friends seem great. Yeah. Oh, by t- comparison, t- uh, that was the thing. Uh, I, I literally we were watching it. We were watching. It. I was like, oh, Tiffany's friends seem so cool. I would love to like hang out with these people. You know, they seem wonderful, nurturing, etc. Completely unlike Micah's friends. Um, and so they seem lovely. You know, here's my suggestion for. Here's what I wish for Tiffany is that she would Google how much a director at Nike makes, because I think if she Googled how much a director at Nike makes. Uh, she would not be concerned about Brett spending some money on $1,200 luggage, which, by the way, isn't even that expensive for luggage. I, I mean, I use luggage from Costco, so I'm not like a big spender, but I know that $1,200 is not that, that much for a luxury 
luggage. A director at Nike, according to Glassdoor, makes around $350,000 per year. I think he can afford some luggage, Tiffany. And he lives in a one-bedroom apartment. So So I actually, I thought this was honestly really beautiful. Like they clearly come from two different worlds to an extent in that she's like calling him very bougie, you know, Um, but she is she gave zero gold digger vibes. Do you know she didn't come in and say, yeah. "Oh my gosh, look at all these like expensive shoes and great clothes and that's something I'm going to get from him." You know, she's like, "I can handle the expenses 50/50." Um I, my guess is she's not making as much money as she as he is, you know, and so but she's like, "I few you know, are, I, few are." So, yeah. I, I really I really admired her for like not knowing and not caring uh or not mm-hmm. having, you know, uh, like a curiosity even necessarily to find out what she was interested in is like, are you overextended? Am I going to have to support you? But um, she is like, I make enough money for myself. I cover myself and it's fine, but like, I can't yeah. take on <laughs> like buying people Louis Vuitton luggage or whatever this is. Um, yeah. And so when she said like, are you overextended? And he kind of looks at her like, no. <laughs> <laughs> have you, have you, Goog- have you Googled my position? Cause it literally takes three seconds I I love that she doesn't know. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I feel like there was no that what that says to me is there was no like, oh, my gosh, she's a design director at Nike, like glamour, you know, sort of like putting stars in her eyes about him. And then, um, you know, you really do see that the financial circumstances matter because she's like, I think it would be tight in here. And he's like, oh, well, if you like this building, we could just move to a different unit that's two or three bedrooms. And I'm like, dude, that's like probably twice as expensive if you go to three bedrooms. And Huge, uh, huge also- flex, huge flex, and I loved it. He's just like, yeah, we could yeah, just move. Yeah. We could just move to another unit. That doesn't even, doesn't even think. Didn't even hesitate. A guy who didn't go to college. Yeah. I fucking love it. So yeah. anyway, um, I I think there's like a settledness about Brad, and he's also like, you know, we could sixty forty or you know whatever yeah. the split is. Like I I don't ex- necessarily expect it to be half and half. Um, you know, and I, I feel like with this couple, they're so good that they have to like manufacture things for us to like pay attention to. Like, oh, he leaves water on the floor, which is a thing I can't stand. Um, but you know, it wouldn't be like a deal breaker in getting married mm-hmm. to someone. Um, and really the worst moment I felt like in that whole storyline was when, um, Tiffany tries to cook. And she goes for a La Crusade, which is so heavy, this cast iron, with this little kitchen towel. And I'm like, she's not going to be able to lift that thing. Plus, she's probably going to burn herself. And all she manages to do is like accidentally slide it off the oven and onto the glass oven door. Um, and yeah. I, I was Brutal. really worried yeah. that the whole d- oven door would the shatter. The oven was going to yeah break, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, that one is going to require a relocation and she seems pretty open to it. And I'm really like thrilled for them that, you know, this seems like grown people talking about grown things in a grown way and compromising. And it's lovely. Absolutely. Absolutely. Rooting for them. Rooting for them. Yes. Which brings us to Kwame or Jackie and, you know, which one do we want to do These are both both sad. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do Jackie and Marshall first. Um, couple thoughts on, on Jackie and Marshall. First of all, I think this is a clear situation of, and there's no judgment here. There's no judgment here, right? It's a clear situation where, um, Jackie just has issues she needs to work out before she can get married or, or have a serious relationship with someone, I think. Um, Marshall described some of them. I'm not going to reiterate them here. 
on the sh- on this podcast, but suffice to say, um, th- there are I think significant issues around anxiety, around communication, um, that make it feel like she is not ready for this relationship. Whereas on the flip side, I feel like Marshall is has all the patience in the world, is extremely understanding. There's probably things he could have done better too. He probably could have used different phrasing than. I thought yeah, you were but my everyone project, says you know? stuff that they yeah. regret saying, and he he does try to explain it, and then he realizes like, oh, this is coming yeah, across really yeah. condescending, and then yeah. he takes it back. So, so he's, he's not he's not like completely blameless, but suffice to say, overall, he is really trying to do right by her, and doesn't it doesn't seem like that's going to be possible, and so this this feels like it's heading in a bad direction, and it feels sad because it's possible with enough time, with counseling, with therapy, with whatever. This might be a relationship that succeeds, but I don't think it's going anywhere good. Joy, what are your thoughts? I mean, really, I don't even think it's about the relationship. I think it's about Jackie's relationship with herself. It's really hard yeah. to watch her knowing, like, her sh- I said this last week too, but like that her, I think her mental health would be improved if the cameras were off, you know, yeah. um, and if she weren't in this pressure cooker of a situation. And I also get a little bit of an introversion sense from her. So like having mm-hmm. to like kind of, express her feelings in real time all the time it just feels rough um and yeah i don't want to repeat the content of what was said um or you know we talked about this last week um what are the real world things that she is trying to juggle but it's pretty clear she's not going to have a lot of family support for this going forward either which is tough for anybody and um i don't think jackie should have been on this show I don't think if you've never been in a serious relationship that you should get married to someone or even run the risk of getting married to someone after four or five weeks. Um, and I uh, kind of hate it for for her first and foremost, because she's like suffering so acutely that I think she even has trouble hearing sometimes what Marshall is even trying to say yeah. um, because she's just so upset and in it. And I, 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 I have been there. I've done that to you, I'm sure. You know, so like I I really empathize that this is just not the moment for her. Um, and then secondly, I feel bad for Marshall as collateral sort of damage along the way in that. And um, I know what he means when he says he sees Jackie, not as a project, but more like as a work in progress, which we all are, by the way, you know, like no matter what your age, um, but that he thought he could help her heal and he could support her and, you know, that she could um, maybe settle. Um, but it feels like the situation is inflaming things rather than calming them down. And Josh, whatever, you know, yeah, like, so, so it's Josh like, why are they- like a sloppy drunk. And I don't know why they're inserting that into this situation with her mental state being what it is it feels cruel they're clearly inviting well they probably made the decision to invite josh before they knew that she would kind of um deteriorate in the way that she has on the show um but yeah they invited josh they invited amber to chelsea's birthday party chelsea's like who's that which again reveals that maybe chelsea wasn't the one that was arranging her organizing her birthday party they even invited another woman who came with Amber, who I was like, was she just not pictured in the pods? She clearly was a <laughs> cast member. Who knows who she talked to? I don't even remember. I, I, I don't. They barely showed. I think they showed a wide shot of her and that's it. Like, I don't think you see her up close, really. So yeah. maybe she is someone we know. But um, I'll tell you, Joy, I had a really interesting experience watching Josh at the Chelsea birthday party. Um. I felt like that scene where Josh is talking to Marshall 
gave me and you tell me if I'm like out of line or I'm ridiculous, but um, it gave me ins. I feel it gave me insight into what it must be like to be a person interacting with a large drunk man at a bar, like and whether you're a man or a woman. But specifically in this case, Josh goes up to Marshall and starts saying all this stuff. Like he looks like he's about to start some some stuff, right? And Marshall's mindset is probably something along the lines of um, get the F away from me, you <laughs> you drunkard, boorish, horrible person, you. Uh, but he doesn't say anything. He doesn't let on. He's like, yeah, we're cool. Yeah, you know, he's trying to be agreeable because he knows that the best way out of this situation is to kind of be agreeable with Josh. Because I felt like I got a very sinister threatening vibe from Josh personally. Um, and I don't know if you felt that way, but. Oh, 10,000%. Yeah. And I think you're exactly right. Like it's like when you know someone who's a little bit of a bad drunk and they're at a party, y- you kind of don't know which way this is going to turn. Yeah. So you try to keep it light because you're yeah. trying to like keep it on that path. But like, he's very handsy with Marshall. He um, yeah. is saying very passive aggressive stuff. Hey, that's a sign we're in the Pacific Northwest, the passive aggressiveness, yeah. um, which is like, hey, man, you know, like, I love you and it's all good, right? You know, like, I, and, and there's like a lot of weird coded, like, um, threats that sound like positive yeah. words. Um, and I, I appreciated that afterwards, um, they gave Marshall a moment to say, what the fuck was that? <laughs> you know, to just reflect like that, that, if you felt weird, viewer, that was weird. Yeah. Yeah. And it just made me feel like, Great empathy for for anyone, man or woman, mostly it's women, that need to deal with somebody in that situation where, like, this guy comes up to you and um, you need to act in a certain way to, like, get – to extricate yourself from the situation. Yeah, that and get doesn't, out that doesn't, Yeah, that yeah. doesn't reflect how you actually feel about this person, right? You're just trying to, like, keep things light and so on. Um, well, I also noticed that when he walked in – I think it was Kwame who said, man, I tried to get this guy kicked off the show and yeah. he just keeps coming back. And I was like, oh, there's all this other like backstory stuff yeah. that we don't know about. And then they'll drop these hints in, yeah. like like that and then never follow up on it. Yeah, so, yeah. Hmm. But, but um, yeah, it, it, anyway, it was, uh, it, it felt very violating. Basically, it felt very violating everything that Josh was doing on the show. Like it, it felt very gross and unpleasant. And um, and I felt great sympathy for anyone who had to deal with it. That's kind of where I'm coming down on it. The- well, I think Josh was so overtly um, drunk, kind of a gross drunk, kind of out of line and not going to be a real pleasant person in real life um, or an easy person to get along with that there's a moment where Marshall says, if she picks you, she can have you. Yeah, you know? that's, Which is that's, like- that's the best line of the show is like, if, if, if she picks you over me, then... I'm good, man. You know. Yeah, um, it's all <laughs> yeah, as have, it was meant to be. Then that's great. <laughs> I love this journey for you. <laughs> okay. All right. Lastly, Kwame and Chelsea. Is Kwame the Kirkland signature SK or is SK the Kirkland signature Kwame? Because I'm actually starting to worry that Kwame is like the dumbest person ever to do this show. Why? Why is that? Because for the second event in a row, he goes up to Micah and he clearly says stuff that is going to be on camera and repeated. That is like, he, he says phrases like, 
well, you know, I just want to make sure I understand what, um, not leave anything on the table before I get married. What does that even mean in this context? I mean, I think I know exactly what it means, you know? Yeah, it means he is not committed to Chelsea. Right. It's, it's, I don't think this is going to happen at all. Like he's, he's, he clearly resents being a house husband. He resents the idea of needing to dramatically alter his life for this person. Um, and I'm going to say based on the conversation, like he resents that he needs to like walk this person's dog, which he's never had to take care of a dog before. Um, and I'm going to say based on the edit they showed us, it didn't seem like Chelsea was particularly uh, that interested in smoothing his transition into this new life. You know, I completely agree. And we haven't even mentioned that Kwame's mom. I mean, if Shelby from Edmonds isn't about it, Kwame's mom is really not about it. Yeah, there's there's a few things that are really hilarious about the parents. First, or not hilarious, but like notable. But the hilarious part is we get this whole subplot of Chelsea saying, I don't know, my dad's pretty, uh, he can be a pretty harsh dude, you know? He And then you meet her dad and he is, looks like the most gentle human being ever. He's like so supportive and so like warm. And I'm just like, what? Is this the same... Is this the same dad that was just being talked to? You know, it was just a weird, they build up to this like, oh, Kwame meeting the dad. It's going to be pretty upsetting. And then he's kind of like this complete norm core, you know, gentle dude who doesn't seem like he would hurt a fly kind of deal. Uh, that was pretty comical, I thought. Um, that was my my sense. Did you get any sinister undertones from that meeting? Yeah. Not sinister undertones. I think he just seemed very, like, surprisingly easygoing. Um, and he seemed to ask the fewest questions of any parents. Of course, right. we only see a certain yeah. edit. But, like, overall, yeah. he they break the news. And he's like, that's great. Congratulations. And he gives her a hug, um, which is what you would ideally hope for, I think, if you're a contestant in this situation. Um, on the other hand, Kwame's mom, I think, is one of the harshest that we've heard described. Well, you know, it really struck me kind of... The limits of the format of Love is Blind when we saw the Kwame mom conversation. Hmm. Um, because, Joy, we have recently watched another reality show called The Traders, right? And yes, there were many things that were concealed from the audience about what happened. I read an article uh, recently about how several members of the cast got COVID and none of that made it to the screen. Or one of the cast members actually needed to be replaced because they got COVID and you didn't even hear about any of that. But uh, Alan Cumming is the host of that show, and he is kind of the guide through that show. He is he is the person who is narrating the show. He has really great outfits. He has really fun narration. He's like, you know, he always says things akin to, but tonight, one of them will be betrayed, and their lives will never be the same. And he's just guiding you through the experience, and it's very fun and campy. It just struck me that Nick Lachey and Vanessa are in the show for about eight minutes total (laughs) per season, you know? And it's just, it's odd that there is no guide through this show. There's no, there's almost never any on-screen text, right? Except for like 14 days to wedding and uh, the person's name and their job. There's no voiceover narration of any kind, right? Uh, 
And I really felt the limits of that with the Kwame conversation because it's weird to see Kwame have a conversation with himself. Like, I, I saw some people online were genuinely confused as to what was happening. Like, was Kwame actually talking to his mom? People didn't know. What seems clear to me is that they couldn't get permission from Kwame's mom to use her voice and or likeness in the show. So they just didn't air the parts of the conversation that had her in it. Um but in any other, if it's a documentary or even a other reality show, you would have someone step in and say things like, Kwame's mom did, didn't agree to do the show. And so that's why we're only playing his part of the conversation, you know? But I think oh, they yeah, think yeah, that, yeah. Would, that would kill this kind of reality they're trying to construct. And so it was just like, and it does, it, it basically drew attention to the idea that they are trying to create this reality where it makes it feel like you are just witnessing this relationship play out and anything that implies the existence of a producer or a third party is a distraction from that world they're trying to create. Um, and it was most evident to me during this Kwame conversation. Okay. That's my case. I mean, I, I get that it's very low hosting. There's actually more signposting of what's going on and where we are in this season than other seasons. Like in this batch of episodes, I think maybe Marshall at some point says, and at this point, we go back to our real jobs, you know, so we're living together. But, you know, this is right. what it's going to be like. And we haven't even gotten that explanation in prior seasons. It's actually been incredibly confusing as to what people are doing at different stages. Um, I, I think... I suspect you might be, um, how do I say this nicely? Um, in the past, I feel like there have been, um, very, very chaotic outcomes in the editing of this show that feels either due to budget constraints or no one caring. And so I think what you are saying is maybe a design could actually be an accident. I guess, but Joy, there are like hundreds of hours of footage, you know, it just, somebody is pouring over all this footage and really carefully like assembling it together. So it has to be, it it has to be deliberate to me in my opinion that they're not like putting in more indications of what is actually going on. In any case, this is all just meta chat. Obviously the conversation with Kwame and his mom, the part that we heard seems very painful. Uh, I don't think this couple is going to make it. It's very sad. Um, I don't think. Is it? (laughs) I don't think Kwame is ready to make the sacrifices that are necessary. And I don't think Chelsea is willing to acknowledge the extent of those sacrifices or if she's willing to acknowledge it. Yeah. It's very true. So actually the biggest, one of the biggest revelations for me in this batch of episodes is like Chelsea does not seem like ultra moored to like reality in my view. So she, you know, expects him to move there. And she's like, well, cause my whole life is in Seattle. My, my family's here. So like, this is what I want. And it, it just, you know, it needs to be this way. And, and on some level she's not wrong, but then, um, she also says while wanting to live in one of the most expensive places in America, well, you know, I wanted to have six kids, but you know, maybe, you know, we could have fewer. And like, she wants to start right away. And she, um, he's like, oh, I always had, you know, this idea that with, my partner, we'd have time to like enjoy each other and being together, which is something you and I have talked about um, as a concept. I think lots of people think that. And she's like, well, but we could do that and have a newborn. And he's like, have you 
seen a newborn, you know, like she is a child speech pathologist, but you get the sense that she has absolutely no idea how bad lifestyle is for those first few years that you have a kid. And I found that like almost, um, she's like, well, we could just take the baby to Cabo and hire a nanny. And I'm like, with, with what money? Like how much, how much do yeah. you guys have? Yeah. Cause maybe you can that- afford that. And that is a solution. It's not a great one. I bet you're still tired in Cabo, but like, you got to see Cabo at least, but it, it is. A I mean, you know, Joy, I, 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 you and I might even differ about this because I have friends, some of whom listen to this podcast, who I know travel with their multiple children all the time and have a great time. So it's like, do they have? Do they travel with one-year-olds? Yes, to Cabo. Yes, uh, not to Cabo, but to places similar. So it's like, I know that like the people have different schools of thoughts on this. Um, and we saw it play out. Some people are like, yeah, traveling with children is no big deal. And some people think it's the hugest deal, you know? And some so, people also have children that don't sleep through the night. And, so, you know, I mean, I think there's like some luck involved. Sure. sure. But my, my, my point being, I don't necessarily disagree with Chelsea. The point that really rubbed me the wrong way was when Kwame is trying to lay out, like, we don't see the full conversation. So maybe they were talking for like 70 minutes and we only saw two minutes. But there's a point when Kwame is saying, hey, you know, you're expecting me to do all these things and, um, and you know, uh, make these – and she's, she's saying, do you not want to make the sacrifice? Or like she says something – she says something about sac- something, something, something sacrifice and he says no, um, but it's like a compromise. Or like giving up living in P- Portland would be like not a sacrifice but a compromise. And she said, yeah, that's marriage. And it's like – Okay, like that that really rubbed me the wrong way. Not because she's wrong, but because you, this partner is saying, hey, I'm going to need to give up a lot. And rather than say, hey, I really like appreciate that or I know it's a big give up and here are some things I'm willing to give up or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's saying like, yeah, that's that's part of the deal, bub. So get on board or GTFO. And it's like, okay, like that's not a great – especially with him being the one that's giving up more stuff. Like that's not a great attitude. Yeah, for sure. So. I, I think that uh, – so setting aside that I think Kwame is maybe congenitally not super ready to settle down because he doesn't yeah. know that you shouldn't flirt with your recent ex who's engaged to someone else on camera twice. Um, he I, – I do feel for him in those moments that like – Hey, life is hard. We're going to have to make a lot of these compromising decisions. Am I with someone who is even approaching that in a spirit and problem solving style that I think I can see myself with down the road? It's not about how much do I like the person or how much am I attracted to them or how much I'm attracted to the other blonde girl on the show. But, you know, I, I I don't know. I, I hope they don't. I, I don't know. I just don't quite see it. I don't quite see the level of commitment from her, even though she's the one getting the stuff. I do see uh, her decor choices. So um, a lot of debate online about whether she is, um, whether that was too much pink. Mm -hmm. At first I thought it was accents of pink, but the more I looked at it, I was like, Ooh, that that is a very consistent and large uh, type number of types of pink. Um, I I found it to be on the high end. What did you think? It's weird because she gives this whole like very moving speech about how her ex-boyfriend didn't let her decorate at all. And so I don't want to kind of downplay the idea of, hey, living in a relationship where she felt like she was kind of oppressed 
and then now she feels like she can actually express herself, you know, like that's a nice thing for her. And I, I don't want to take away from that. Um, I'll just say that I personally found it deeply offensive. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I mean, I, it's not, it's not the choices I would have made. Um, but if it works for her, great. Um, but who am I to judge if your psychological coping mechanism is good or not, you know? Oh, I, I think there's nothing wrong with it. I found it just a little incongruous because I find her personality a little bit edgy mm-hmm. um, and not in a bad way, you know, um, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't think she'd be a person who would have like not just pink hearts on the wall, but like a pink armchair. Well, the, the thing that really struck me was there was a one of those like lettering boards and it had the word moi on it, like M-U-A-H, like a kiss, I think. Yeah, I, I think correctly. she also had a that. Pillow, that was like the one that was really with words on it. Like, uh, yeah, that was yeah. the one that was out of control. Like, I was like, "What is? What is that? What? Is, what is that? You know? What's? I, do you not know what, what that is? <laughs> I mean, just <laughs> when you see a pink lettering board that has the word "moi" on it, what? Is, what is? What is that supposed to evoke? You know, I don't. Anyway, it's a kiss. I know, but it's like, what? What is? What is that? What's going on there? Well, okay. why don't you and I reflect on it um, while we think about some affirmations? I have put the affirmation. I, I took a photo of the affirmations and I've placed them up on the uh, up on the on the video. So she said that every morning at her mirror, she looks at these ten morning gratitude affirmations. I will now read the affirmations. All ten. <laughs> I'm going to no. be flooded with gratitude by the end. Okay. <laughs> Number one, number one, thank you for this new day. Number two, I'm filled with happiness and gratitude. Number three, I'm grateful for another chance to live my life. Number four, I'm grateful to feel the air in my lungs and the beating of my heart. Number five, I'm thankful simply for being alive. Number six, thankfulness, appreciation, and sincere gratitude are part of who I am. Number seven, I'm grateful for who I am and for what I have. Number eight, I invite gratitude into my heart. Number nine, today I will have an attitude of gratitude. Number 10, thank you for the blessings this day will bring, end quote. You know, I think we actually have different opinions on this, Joy. I actually think this is uh I don't have a problem with it, you know? If uh if this helps you to feel more grateful for the day, all the power to you. I, to be clear, did not quote unquote have a problem with it. I mean, people should do whatever makes them feel well and grounded and whole and whatever. Um, I thought that some of the uh affirmations felt a little overlapping, you know, mm-hmm. like a little duplicative. Um, but listening to you read them out loud. I now actually think I disagree with three or four of them. It's like you disagree with me. Thankful simply for being alive. No one should be grateful for that. No, actually, that was one that resonated with me a lot, and I actually felt my own blood pressure dropping as you were in that part of the list. But um, you know, so, sometimes like this is part of who I am, or I, you know, like it, it, sometimes it can feel. Are you familiar with the term toxic positivity? Like I worry that we're like mm-hmm. positive thinking ourselves into a place where we're not like giving space for like. Um, I'm grateful to be wired so that I can be sad today. Mm-hmm. Wired? But, yeah, we are all wired to experience uh-huh. yeah, a whole yeah. bunch of different emotions, including yeah. negative ones, you know? Yeah. So like, uh, yeah, anyway. My, there is some spice in there. That, that, I'm dra- <laughs> just uh, just throwing out ideas. Okay, okay. For the spice, we can workshop All right, it. all right. That sounds great. That sounds great. Okay. So any other thoughts? on this batch of it we've gone almost as long as the first batch of episodes by the way no way really i'm sorry to everyone um well um no i just want to say um 
I will say the first five episodes were relatively guilt-free watching, and the guilt is starting to creep back in, and I am not at all confident that this won't be a travesty by the end. Uh, in fact... For all ar- An all-around travesty? Everyone except for Brett and Tiffany, you know? Brett and Tiffany deserve so much goodness that if we had to have four seasons of this show just to get Brett and Tiffany, it was worth it. Wow. Okay. That is how I feel. If 18 lives needed to be destroyed... For Brett and Tiffany to live, it's worth it. Um, maybe. Um, I, you know, I'd like to leave everyone with this thought. Um, those shoe boxes uh, that Brett had um, can be found at the Container Store. I believe they're currently running a fifteen percent off sale. I have actually purchased dozens of those shoe boxes and then returned dozens of those shoe boxes because they didn't work in my house. But I really. He does have pretty elite level shoe storage, and that's something at the end of the day we can all aspire to. Indeed. Well, we hope you have enjoyed this <laughs> chat about the latest episodes of Love is Blind. What's you the opposite find- of a tight five? <laughs> you can find more episodes of this podcast at decodingreality.tv. Uh, and do leave some comments for us at the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash decoding TV on the Decoding Reality podcast page. Uh, wherever you can find us, or decodingtv at gmail.com. Feel free to send us an email. Let us know what you thought of this batch of episodes. We'd love to hear it. But uh, thanks for listening. Hope you're still enjoying. And yeah, there are, I think, at least two more drops worth of episodes, right? Um, there is going to be... Uh, let's, you know, let me make sure I, I get this right so I don't I don't mess it up because we're right in the closing hours and i don't want to make a mistake right at the end but according to uh the netflix there is um two episodes episodes nine and oh actually no three episodes that are going to be released on april 7th 9 10 and 11 and then uh april 12 uh, april 14th is when episode 12 is going to be released so my guess is that's going to take us all the way to the wedding uh next week and possibly we might even uh, get a wedding. I don't think we we'll, we'll probably won't get a wedding decision um, by the next batch, but we'll probably get to somebody proposing. And then it's like cut to black. And then episode 12 is when they're going to show by proposing. Do you mean like at the altar at the altar? Yeah. Uh, and then episode 12, they're going to show, uh, you know, the conclusion of that plus like all the other couples, but we might also get a decision by the end of next week. That's also possible. So uh, well, and then- we'll see. And then there's a mysterious episode 13, no release date set yet for that one. So we'll Is see. it uh, Chelsea divorcing Kwame after she sees the footage of this show? Because <laughs> if likely. it doesn't fall apart before the altar, it absolutely will after she sees these parties. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, hope you had a good time. Decodingreality.tv is where you can get the podcast version of this, but you can also watch it on YouTube. We'll try to broadcast every one of these that we do live. Until next time, goodbye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.